So, two weeks from Tuesday is election day, which I am pretty sure there's no one in this room who was unaware of that fact. You know, we have the ads and the non-stop commentating, the constant polling and re-polling, the debates, the rallies, the hopes and dreams alongside the tearing down of one's opponents. Even third parties get in the game. Isn't it a fun time to turn on the TV right now? Well, what's really fascinating about all of this is all of it is about wrangling for power. All this, all, what is really fascinating about all this is all of this wrangling for power. It's that it's not really supposed to be about that. It's supposed to be about public service. Being elected to office is not about serving oneself or one's own ambition, but to serve the people and do what's in the best interest of the nation. Now, when was the last time you heard a politician say that and you believed them? Now, I know that there are definitely those who run for office and really want to make life better for those they are running to serve. But as someone who's been following elections pretty closely from both sides of the aisle, service oftentimes feels more like a talking point than a driving force. And just to be a little more frank, that pretty much feels like what our culture is really pursuing as well. Which of course is perfect, because Jesus was always countercultural. Jesus in his messages and in his ministry was all about overturning the notions, our wrong notions, of what God really desires for all of humanity. Sharing and living a message of lifting others up and caring for the dignity of all people. Which is also why the text that we just heard this evening starts all the more interesting. Because there's actually a whole section right before this that we didn't read, which is Jesus walking down the road with the disciples and warning them for the third time of his coming death and resurrection. For the third time, he's sharing this really shocking news that he would be killed at the hands of the empire in Jerusalem as they're walking down the road to Jerusalem. And it is in this context that we find this interaction between James and John and Jesus, which I have to say is actually one of my favorite the disciples just don't quite get it moments, just because it's so bold. They say, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. They walked up to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask for you. I mean, the boldness in that statement is almost absurd. Not only for what they're about to ask, but also for the fact that they're basically demanding that Jesus honor their request even before they've asked it. James and John asked Jesus, Will you allow us to sit at your right and at your left? And if you think about leadership and access, what really they were asking in that moment is, we want to be granted chief status, most favored status with you. We want to be the ones that you immediately turn to. 
And I imagine this is mostly because they have a misunderstanding of what it means to be a messiah. They're still thinking his primary goal is overthrowing the temporal kingdom and reclaiming the throne of David. But we can give them some credit. They likely understood that Jesus was going to be killed. I mean, this was the third time he had told them this. And I think they believed that he would be resurrected. Because what I think they're really asking isn't so much right now, put us at your right and at your left. They're saying, Jesus, after they kill you and you rise again on the third day, and you're the new king, we want to be at your right and at your left. They were asking for the post-resurrection kingdom power when Jesus would be on the throne. The earthly throne, that is, not the heavenly one. But then again, that's still kind of missing the point. The role of Jesus is to free the oppressed and to end injustice and to bring the people salvation, but not through the temporal powers of this world. Instead, to do it through the glory of God, through the transformation of lives, through the work of the people, through the work of us. James and John seem to have misunderstood. But Jesus, being ever gracious, responds to their request, basically saying, you really don't know what you're asking here. Can you drink from the same cup as me? And James and John, of course, immediately go, yes, of course we can. And maybe they're forgetting about what he just told them he would be going through. But I do believe they were saying this out of loyalty. They were completely committed to Jesus. And though there was a little bit of selfish ambition in there, it was out of loyalty and a desire to serve Jesus. And that's why this whole conversation came about. But then Jesus is also reminding them of two things. One, that no one can do exactly what Jesus is about to do. Because the cup that he drinks from, he doesn't even really want to drink from himself. Later on, we'll hear him say that, if this cup can pass from me. But he's the only one that can really drink from this cup. He's the only one who can take on the sins of humanity and come out the other side loving humanity. And two, Jesus is telling them, don't live to serve me. Live to be a servant of the people. Because Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. Jesus wasn't in this for his own glory. Jesus wasn't doing this because Jesus needed the admiration of the disciples. Jesus was trying to teach them, your job is not to serve me, it's to go out and serve others. And through that you serve me. Jesus also said, it's not mine to grant, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. And what I believe Jesus is really trying to tell us here is that Jesus is not picking and choosing favorites. Jesus isn't picking and choosing who gets to be at the right and at the left. And instead, Jesus is telling us we get to choose. Are we going to be the ones who are deciding to be the hands and feet of Christ? Are we going to be the ones that choose to serve others? And in choosing to serve others, come 
to be in places of honor in eternity. It's also because it comes not out of an obligation or a responsibility, but it's about a desire to actually be with one another. Jesus is trying to teach us that we are to make ourselves whole through being with others. By coming together as one, that is really the way we become whole. Jesus, just a few chapters before this, he, he fed two crowds on two separate occasions. And Jesus didn't do this because he felt obligated or he felt some guilt because he'd attracted this large crowd out into the desert and there was no food there. But he did it because he saw a need. He saw the need of the people and he wanted to do what he could for them. In that moment, the people were hungry and he fed them. And Jesus is telling all the disciples that if they really desire to be leaders, then they must become servants. And that it is in serving others that we really find our true selves, that true self that God is calling us to be. When we take and humble ourselves and we become one who serves others. I really think Jesus' message in here actually is quite simple. It's service over self. It's telling the disciples, take on the burden of the cross. Bring salvation to all the people. And to be alert, a leader is to be a servant. To be a leader in the body of Christ is to be the opposite of power and ambition and the building up of self. This is kind of a pivotal moment in the Gospel of Mark. It's a moment when Jesus is predicting his own death and resurrection and a moment of pretty significant challenge for the disciples and for us. And if I'm being honest, I get the response of James and John in coming to Jesus. I get why you would ask, Jesus, I want to serve at your right and at your left because I mean, who doesn't want to rise to the top of the most faithful? Who doesn't want to be the best in whatever field you're pursuing? I mean, I am guilty of being a preacher who sometimes compares myself to others and asks, am I doing a good enough job and how can I be better? And then catch myself realizing it's not about being better than others. Jesus is asking the same thing of the disciples and telling them, it's not about rising to the top or being the most faithful. And I also hear one other thing in this rebuke that Jesus offers them, and it's that we cannot do this on our own. And we really shouldn't presume that we can. Because one of the other presumptions that James and John had in their, in their question was, Jesus, we're going to ask you something and you're going to give it to us because we have earned it and we asked first. There's a presumption that they can get to be at the right and at the left because they've asked Jesus and that they can get there themselves. But Jesus is like, you really can't do this yourself because what I'm about to go do, you really can't. My death and resurrection is not something that all of you will be able to accomplish. 
But it is something that you can drink from the cup of baptism. You can participate in all of this because I'm going to make it possible for you to do that. In fact, I'm going to make it so that you don't have to save the world. I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to lift that weight off your shoulders and remind you that you don't have to do it all. Because, again, this is Jesus speaking, saying, I'm already doing the big thing. I'm going to die the death and rise again on the third day. You just have to come behind and be my hands and feet. And then you get to be the bringer of hope. And you can serve from right where you are. And that will make a difference. I've also been thinking about this text in the context of college and here at AU. I'm positive that all of you are pretty driven individuals to varying degrees, but driven nonetheless. And there's nothing wrong with that, particularly in this time in your life. I mean, college is supposed to be about a time of exploring opportunities, of learning and growing. You're setting yourself up for the career path you hope to follow, or you think you might want to follow, or at least that you want to explore after college. And it's a time when you're even making connections that might be of benefit to you later in life. And all of these things are important, but they can also become an obsession. I feel like it's something that gets talked about a lot here at AU. This pressure to get the next internship, to take advantage of the next opportunity, to do the next whatever it might be. And the problem comes in when we become so focused on our futures and our achievements that we forget, or at least get distracted from the right now and from being who God has called us to be, which is servants of all people. And ultimately, when we do that, we're actually denying ourselves something as well, because one of the real ways we're transformed is when, when we go out and serve others. Transformation happens. Like I said before, you find your truest self when you are serving others. When we're taking our, the time to focus not on ourselves, but on serving others, there's something transformative about that. It changes us. It gives us new perspective. It humbles us. And it's something that happens when we're cooperating with Jesus and his mission to bring good news to the world. And we're striving not for our own places of honor, but emptying ourselves and humbling ourselves and serving others. The best part about this call, though, is that this opportunity is that we don't need to be the savior of the world. We already have one. And instead, we should be seeking daily to be more like him, to live an attitude of service to others. And so, as students, what does that mean for you? Well, it doesn't mean you need to quit school or stop pursuing your passions and dreams. It just means that we should be daily opening ourselves up to the opportunities to be in service to others. 
It does mean the big things like planning tri a trip to parts of Florida or North Carolina or Puerto Rico to do hurricane relief and rebuilding or raising money annually for causes like the homeless initiative that National UMC was advocating for this morning that supports transitional housing for those who are transitioning out of homelessness and need low cost or no cost options. Yes, it is these big things, but it's also the not so big things. It can be taking a Saturday to help prepare and serve meals at the campus kitchen that National UMC runs, or volunteering an afternoon at the DC diaper bank or the food bank. And it can be even smaller things that aren't organized in formal opportunities, things like finding ways to be kind to someone who seems to be having a hard day, or inviting someone to the dinner we have right after the service. It's any of these little things we can do to show we care about each other. Little, big, and anywhere in between. Ultimately, this whole story of James and John and Jesus, that's what it comes down to. An invitation to be in service. To be the hands and feet of Christ, to humble ourselves and to serve others. To find the ways and places we can do the most good. To start now to intertwine our lives with the mission of Jesus. Not forgetting about the future, but seeing this work as imperative to growing into the future we want for ourselves. And again, it doesn't take much. Jesus has already drunken from the big cup and taken on most of it for himself. And now we just get to come behind and participate in the further liberation of the world and making the world just a little freer and a little better. And that is a wonderful gift. And that is what we're called to do. Amen.